Hey guys, before we get started with today's podcast, don't forget to subscribe, click on that notification bell, like, dislike, comment, let us know what you're thinking. You could also follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, today, on the Angel of Words podcast, we have Pranchanta O'Neill, property owner and mother of three African-American men, on deck on the Angel of Words podcast. Welcome to the Angel of Words podcast. And on the line with me right now, I have Miss Prinshanta O'Neill, property owner and African-American mother of three. Miss O'Neill, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm so happy to be on your show today so we can put these issues out and so everybody can know what's going on. Well, thank you for your uh, for blessing us, you know, with your presence here on the Angel of Words podcast. And uh, I want to start by saying, you know, Freddie Gray. Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown. Now we have Ahmad Arbery. Your thoughts on the Arbery case and society right now as a whole in terms of this whole, uh, you know, in terms of like, I guess what you can deem as, you know, racism still being very prevalent here in America. I really don't understand this whole racism thing. You know, everybody should have the right to live their lives the way they want to. We didn't create ourselves, so you shouldn't hold us accountable because our skin color is different from yours. We read the same books. We like the same music. We are basically the same except for our skin color. We barbecue the same, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. We put mayonnaise and our potato salad the same, so it's it's all good. (laughs) So I don't understand what's really going on right now in 2020. You know, you know, it it was really sad to see, you know, and what's really sad to me seeing is um, just uh, they're already on their third prosecutor. People really don't seem to have any type of remorse or any type of, you know, in in that state in particular, Georgia, about what happened. You know, George E. Burnhill, one of the prosecutors that recused himself, said that that, uh, you know, um, I was basically uh, basically provoked the situation, saying he was running alongside alongside this truck and he's stopped abruptly and that he attacked the truck when it's you know it's pretty blatant that you see on that camera that that wasn't the case exactly you know i'm like i don't know what thank god for uh at least there's somebody with some sense in georgia the 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 former federal prosecutor said um that the law does not allow a group of people to form an armed posse and chase down an unarmed person who they believe to may have possibly been the perpetrator of a past crime and you know that county is 64%, you know, uh, white. And it's, uh, you know, and it's really disconcerting the fact that you could literally be going out for a jog, Miss O'Neill, as a black yes. person in a yes. white community mm-hmm. and get gunned down like that, man. Absolutely. How does that make you feel? It, it, it makes me angry, but it also makes me see that we have really not come any further than we have been back in a Jim Crow day. It makes me feel that I... Like, I'm not a piece of property, and that's what they see us as. They see us as property. What gives you the right black person to run in my white neighborhood? This neighborhood belongs to us, not including you. You can clean our streets, but you can't run in our streets. So that's basically what they're saying. 
and we don't have a right to be there when we have every right to be there. And it's so heartbreaking, even though it's not my child, but he's a, he's a child of all of us. All of us hurt behind it. If you have a soul, if you're a human being, if you have morals, you hurt because of this situation that's going on. It doesn't have to be your biological child. You just have to be a person. And this hurts. This tugs at your soul. It's like, because you're still asking the questions, why in this day and age can a black man not run down the street and not be, not be um, criticized or, or gunned down like he's an absolute animal? It's, it's, it's terrible. And you make a valid point, you know, as a mother, like, you know, how, how, she, how that lady must be feeling, you know? Absolutely. She's heartbroken. And I feel for her. He didn't come out of my womb, but I feel for her as a mother. You, you murdered my child for absolutely no reason, only because you think you have the right to because he's black. You like, and I like you, so, Sorry, go ahead, man. No, I'm just like, you're not judge and jury. You're not God. You can't, you don't create people, so you don't have the right to take life from people. No, I agree with you 100%. And I like, you know, I, I think it's very relevant to have this conversation with you because, you know, you are a person that you get along well with everyone. Yes, you know, I do. Um, yes, you know, I do. you have a great relationship with law enforcement. So, you know, I know that you have a bipartisan nature. And, you know, what do you tell your own sons, Miss O'Neill? Like, you know, when 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 dealing with cops, because I'm sure the conversation is different than, uh, uh, you know, other communities in here in America. Yes, it, it, it's very different. And, it, you know, I happen to be lucky enough to be brought up in a household where my mom taught us to accept everyone accept everyone from their character, not from their color of their skin. You don't just judge an opinion by someone just because how they look. You get to know that person. You get to know the character of that person. You get to know what that person does on a daily basis. And then you join, you, you draw your opinions from there, not from looking at somebody across the street and be like, oh, he's white, he's Hispanic, he's Asian. Let me have, let me have this preconceived notion of what they might be and actually get to know the person. And I've had several people in my um, family members that are law enforcement on Department of Corrections as well as NYPD. So I see it from both ends. But that, but as a mother, I see it totally different. And I'm, I'm a person of logic. If you're right, you're right. And when you're wrong, you're wrong. I don't jump to opinions. I don't jump to conclusions without knowing the complete story. When I know the complete story, then I can go in and I can voice my opinion. But I just can't look at you and be like, oh, they, they gunned down this black man because he was black. First, you got to get the whole story. You don't know what the whole story is. You can't make a conclusion from there. But it's wrong when you just go after people because of their color. You shouldn't do that, Miss O'Neill. No, no, and, and absolutely I, and not. And i honest with you, what's very frightening right now, on, you know, under this administration, under mm -hmm. Trump being yes. so divisive, mm -hmm. uh, what re what's really scary, you know, is that 393 million Americans own guns, right? Yeah. Out of those 393 million Americans, 44% of them are um, Republicans. Yeah. Okay. Now, we know that a, a lot of Republicans are Trump supporters. Absolutely. Okay? Now, 
I have seen on many occasions, and this is something that really, really hurts me as a as a minority here in this country. When mm-hmm. I see, um, you know, blacks and Latinos supporting Trump, when Trump supporters are going out there with Confederate flags. Yeah. And th- to me, the Confederate flag is up there with the Nazi flag. It is the yes. most divisive, the most anti-progressive, the most just disgraceful flag that can exist because of what it means. Exactly. You know, and when exactly. I see our people, you know, standing behind these ideologies, I feel like they're not even are you even educating yourself? Like, no. do you really understand like the, the 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 symbolism behind that flag? Like, how does it make you feel when you see things of that nature? And it just goes to show me, let's have an intelligent conversation. Let's take emotions out of it. And let's just not how you feel, but let's deal with facts. And when you start to deal with facts, you start to unravel so many things and so many levels that you didn't know was there. So many people act on how I feel. Oh, this is how it was and this is how it should be. But we're all the same people and we and, and we as African Americans and Latinos, we have to stop thinking of ourselves as minorities because actually we are the majority. We are the majority. They are actually the minorities. But once you instill different ideas in people's head and you have them thinking a certain way, then they they adapt these ideas that you have. Yes, I am I am a minority. When you're not. If we would all stand together, um, Latinos and, and all everybody who thinks they're a minority, we would outweigh people anywhere. But we don't want to do that because we have divides within our own communities that won't even allow us to do that. So we can't even come together in our own communities to fight what's wrong in other communities. If you get what I'm saying. No, and I I agree with you, and I feel like there's a level of selfishness. I've even heard yes. Latinos and uh, uh, and African Americans tell me, "Oh, we don't need leaders." You know, we, do. we don't need we, we, we don't do. need no, no. And I'm like, what was George Washington? What was Thomas Jefferson? Yeah. You know, what, who, was Martin, who, what about King? John D. Rockefeller? What about exactly. Andrew Carnegie? These guys Malcolm built X? empires for their, yes. you know, for for, for 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 and wealth for the people to, that came behind them. And yes. they were leaders. They led yes. movements. And why why can they have leaders and then our leaders either get pushed aside by the level of selfishness that blacks and Latinos seem to have mm-hmm. and I really do not comprehend. And it's very difficult to me when you when you say we don't need leaders, but it's okay for them to have leaders. You, you, you need leaders. You need people to, to sit absolutely. at the table with the big wigs and have these conversations like, yo, bro, like we're all in this together. We're going to be in this country for the foreseeable future and things need to and everybody needs to be treated with a certain level of dignity and class and not get gunned down fucking jogging man that's crazy to me it's crazy but we also need our leaders to stand behind us 100% we don't need our leaders to be bought we don't need our leaders to be informant we don't need our leaders to get into our neighborhoods and get into our psyche and then turn around and turn us over to the man we don't need that we need leaders who are going to stand behind us through thick and thin, no matter what. I shouldn't have to have my leader see him come coming out the back door of some establishment because he got paid off to tip off the government or to, or we gave you a position in the government. So now you're going to go someplace and sit down. How you started is not how you end up because now you got what you want 
a place in politics. You got a, a job you wanted. Whatever the, whatever the situation that was out there, we paid you off. So now you can't stand with the people that you stood with, with once upon a time because now we bought you off. We need leaders who are going to stand up for us and continue to stand up for us no matter what, by all means necessary, and not be bought. No, exactly. You know, n- not be bought. And, you know, w- w- what's really interesting to me is that, you know, you're a person that, that I've noticed, you know, you really are, you know, you're bipartisan. Like you, you, like you said, you think with logic, you're not a racist human being, you accept everyone. And, you know, now you have to live in, in a space, in a country where one in five black men, 22% of black men die in America via homicide, right? At the, at the hands of a gun, with 353 million guns all over this country. Like, how does that make you feel? What do you tell your, ch- your sons about dealing with white people and, you know, and just, you know, and just dealing with life overall? Because that's a scary statistic, Miss O'Neill. How, how I was brought up and how I teach my sons is not very different, but I pray every day that my sons walk out the house. I pray to God and thank God that they walk back in the house and I know my sons are good boys. I know they have good character, but that does not mean anything to a racist or that does not mean anything to anybody who wants to gun them down for absolutely no reason except for them being African-American young men. Just because of the color of their skin, they automatically have to be doing something wrong just because they're standing in a group together. Oh, they automatically got to be doing something illegal because they're standing in a backyard because we don't we don't treat the same communities the same way in New York City. If you go to a Hasidic um, community, they could be millions of them outside. Nothing happens. But then you go to an African-American community and you see three people standing on a corner. They get thrown up against the wall. They get thrown on the ground. They get stomped clearly because they are African-American men. When you just had a million Hasidic people in the street and no one did anything about that. And it's very disheartening because I pay my taxes. I'm a good person. I teach my children to be good people and I treat them that everybody's a good person until you see different. But they don't see with the same eyes that I do. They see as being young black men just walking down the street and the cop cars will start following them for no reason. And I know this because I've witnessed it myself. So I come outside my home and I go, good evening, officer. Is there a problem? Oh, no, 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 there's no problem. And then they drive off. So why are you following my three young sons because they're coming from a basketball game? Why? They're not doing anything wrong. Their pants are not hanging off their behinds. They're not, they're not doing anything in a disrespectful manner. They're not using derogatory language. They're just walking from a basketball game, and you're trailing behind them as if they're doing something wrong, clearly because they're young black men. You wouldn't do this in a, a white neighborhood. You wouldn't do this in any other neighborhood, but you target our neighborhood to use this kind of behavior when it's unnecessary, and it's not fair at all. Yeah, and, and another thing I think ain't fair, you know, and you know, I, I'm not a expert on 
you know, law enforcement, but I also hear that they have quotas that they have to meet for arrest. Like, I don't feel like they should have quotas, you know, because that, that that's going to put pressure on you to, to arrest innocent people. Absolutely. And in that blue wall is a thick blue wall that no one is ever going to penetrate. And once you become a black officer, you know it's wrong, but you also know what you have to do to maintain your job. You also know what you have to do to maintain your livelihood. So you know it's wrong, but I really can't speak up because I have to feed my family. I have to pay my mortgage. I have to pay my rent. I have to take care of my children. But you know it's wrong, but you're not speaking up because I don't think you're being selfish, but these are the things that you have to protect. And they are given orders to do certain things in certain neighborhoods, which is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, and they get put in tough spots, you know, because it's like you, yes. you're picking between my family or or somebody yes. else that I don't know. I mean, that's an easy decision to make. Yes. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I really feel bad for law enforcement sometimes because they get, you know, they get put in, in, in really tough, tough situations, man. Uh-huh. That now, they can't but, do anything about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, so I agree with you 100%. To, they just have to endure it and they just have to, they have to deal with it because it's really nothing that they can do about it at that particular point in time. Because now you're, you're, you have to fight with the people that you work with. You have, now you have an internal fight. You say, oh, I have to protect my family, but also I have to deal with these people in here. So you, ha- you pick the lesser of the two evils, and you just go along with it, even though you may not want to, but this is just something that you have to do right now. Now, Miss O'Neill, a lot of people say, oh, you know, um, these things happen to minorities because of their hypersexuality, the way that they, you know, the, the propaganda of rape culture within within uh, uh, hip hop music, you know, and the fact that, you know, women are always out there twerking and there's no respect for themselves. Like, what do you have to say to people that that that, that are criticizing, you know, kids for making music and living their lives? This is the thing with that. You're an adult and you make your own decisions what you decide to do. If you want to twerk, you should be allowed to twerk. If you want to be a stripper, you should be allowed to be a stripper. No one should be raped on the basis of the type of lifestyle that they chose to have. You're not in people's heads. You don't know what people are going through. There, are, Yes, there are different decisions that people can make sometimes, but if that's that particular decision that that young person made at that particular time, you should not hold that against them. Because when you were their age, a lot of people didn't make a lot of smart decisions. So at that age, when you know better, you do better. And if that's the job or the choice or the field that they want to go to, then that's on them. But they should not be raped. They should not be murdered. Bad things should not happen to them because this is the lifestyle that they chose to have. Now, how do you... And and how do you, you know, what advice do you give to you, to your sons, you know, when it comes to like, you know, dealing with women and not taking the music that they listen to too seriously? Like, do you give them advice on things of that nature? Well, you, you know me, Angel, you know me from work, you know, I'm with the young people. I'm always trying to give the young people advice about different things. And I always, and I let my kids know, this is all fantasy. This is not real and if you know it's not real, because as soon as these people make this money, they move out of your community. So they're just saying what they have to say to get these records sold. 
So don't take this language to heart. Don't how the language that they use, don't use that towards females because I give my sons a strong role model and representation of what a woman should be from me every day, from me getting up, going to work, from me buying property, from me being a good person, from me helping in the community. So I show them what a role model is supposed to be. And they don't have to look to television. They don't have to look any place outside of their household because they know what their mother and their father are good role models. And all of that's fantasy. So they know the difference between fantasy and reality. You know that's not the proper way to talk to women. You know that's not the, but the representation that these artists are given, that's their, that's their interpretation of life. And that's their artistic expression. So you can't take that from them. That's their reality. Exactly. Now you mentioned buying property, Miss O'Neill. Yes. And that was the, the the secondary reason why we're mm-hmm. having this conversation. I'm very, you know, I, I've always looked up to you. You're a woman that I respect and admire. And, you know, you've been able to accomplish a lot of things in life that, you know, a lot of people have not been able to achieve. And, you uh-huh. know, we're talking about, you know, owning property. And, uh, we, you know, we're talking about coming from urban areas. Now, could you describe a little bit of your plight, you know, uh, growing up and neighborhoods you came up from and, you know, how you became a property owner? I basically, I grew up in a lot of different neighborhoods. My, we had a little rough patch in life. My house burnt down. Um, we were homeless. My entire my entire family was homeless at one point. So I we've been through the homeless shelter situation until my mom was able to get back on her feet. But it wasn't easy. It's not easy. And nothing given to you in life is easy. But I use where I come from to propel me to where I want to go. I knew in my life, you can't control everything, but I can control right now what's going on in my life. You can't say what will happen that you would never be homeless again. But for right now, if I can control this, I'm going to build a substantial foundation for me and my children. So in future, and when, even when I leave this earth, I'm going to leave stuff for them behind so they can have a future of their own. And it's not, it's not easy sometimes because people don't believe in your dreams. And you can't tell everybody what you're doing all the time because people have underlining jealousy. And then people speak bad on your future, what you're trying to do. Oh, you can't do that. Why you want to do this? Why you want to get into that? Oh, that's rough. Why you want to be a landlord? Oh, those tenants get on your nerves. You do what you want to do for your own future. And so I set up, yes, I like to spend money. Yes, I like to go shopping. But I also knew I needed to have a future. And I also knew I needed to have a future for my children. So when I set forth on my journey to start buying property, it was very hard because even with the realtors, they want to take you to these neighborhoods because that's where they think you want to be. If I have the money to spend, I should be able to go to whatever neighborhood I want, as well as to live and as well as to own property. And it's a hard plight sometimes, but you just have to be diligent and you have to keep doing it no matter what people say. You have to follow your own path and follow your own heart to get what you want. And that's it. And hard work is everything. Wow. And you face racism, even property buying. Could you speak Absolutely. a little? Elab- oh, man, elaborate Absolutely. on that. Like, Absolutely. So you have the they money and they still you. won't let you buy Absolutely. property. 
You have wow. the money. And then they go, I'm like, well, I'm interested in this property in 101 Zillow Road. And they're like, oh, wouldn't you be, wouldn't you rather go to 101 Hunchback Lane? And you're like, what? No, I want to live over here. I want to buy this property over here. And you get met with a lot of racism from the people who are actually supposed to help you. This is your job. This is your profession. So why would you want to lead me in another direction if that's not what I want? And that's and that is done so often. And at one point, I had to get a what do you call it a, a, a ghost buyer. That's someone who pretends to be someone else. So that particular person outcome is to purchase that property. So I would send my friend Susan. She would meet with the realtor. And Susan with Susan is is a um she's a white girl. She's Caucasian. We've been friends ever since I went to Spring Valley High. And she goes and she looks at the properties for me and they show Susan wonderful properties. Wonderful, wonderful properties. And then It'd be like, okay, I'll show up the next time. Oh, okay. So where exactly are you looking to live? I'm like, oh, but you just showed my um, my partner, you know, these other properties. I want to look at those same properties. Oh, those are under contract. They're no longer available. And that's when the foolishness comes into play. Oh, my God. The systemic racism right there. Hard systemic body. Racism. Absolutely. Systemic oh racism. Oh Absolutely. Systemic racism. Absolutely. Because we want to keep you in the red zone areas. Because this is where all the African-Americans and the Latinos, this is where all you guys live. So we're going to keep y'all pushed over here. Where everybody else live in this zone. We're going to keep y'all in the red zone. You'll be happier in the red zone because you have more people like you. You mean more people who like money, more people who get up and go to work every day? When you say you people exactly, what are you saying? It's crazy. That's so disrespectful, Miss O'Neill. On all levels. On all levels. Wow. Disrespectful on all levels. Oh, my God. I can't believe you had to get a ghost buyer. That is crazy. Yes. Yes. And did you purchase the properties through the ghost buyer or you were just doing that? No, because my my integrity wouldn't let me. My soul wouldn't let me. My ancestors wouldn't let me. Because how dare you? I'm not going to spend my money in a place that you know that I'm not respected or wanted. I work too hard for my money for me to just give it to you and you just disrespect me. So I wait to get all the way to closing to say, no, I don't want to go forward with this. I have my lawyer call you. And I'm wow. done with it. <laughs> hey, so those are the best times to be petty, you know? When people are yes, expecting yes. money, you're like, nah, I don't think yes. so. We're not closing it, in on this and escrow. You know have a nice me, day. And you know I can be petty. <laughs> <laughs> that's that cancer in us. <laughs> Yo, that's a fact. <laughs> They're not yeah. going to play with me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, nah. 
No, I mean, but that, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, and that's the thing that people really don't understand. They think it's a joke, Miss O'Neill. Yes, they think they that we're do. complaining. They think no. that we're whining. No. You know, <laughs> they, 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 they feel like, oh, you guys have all the resources in the, in the world that you need to be successful. And I'm like, no, we don't compare to other no. communities. Are no. you kidding no. me right now? My niece is not learning the yet. same way that someone else's <laughs> niece is learning. You know, my niece isn't exactly. learning the same way my niece is learning in Texas. You yes, know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. It's like apples and, it, and, and it's oranges. Disgusting. You have to when my children were in preschool, I had to send toilet paper, dishwashing liquid, detergent, hand wipes, facial tissues. Why do I have to send that to a school that's governed by the Board of Education? I'm sending hand wipes and toilet paper. My babies don't have toilet paper. To go to the to the bathroom while they're in school is absolutely disgusting. And meanwhile, you're getting all of this money for these children, but it's not being distributed to the schools that really need it the most. I used to make photocopies of the books for my children. And I used to speak to the principal on a daily basis. What is going on here? What are you doing? What are you doing? Are you speaking up? Are you saying like what are you saying? Are you just are you just okay with this? Because this school is a representation of you. And it's like, it's like their hands are tied. It's like their hands are tied. But meanwhile, the yeshivas and things like that, they get government money and they get the money that's supposed to go to our children in our neighborhood, but they're not allowed to, our children are not allowed to go to those schools. So how fair is that? You get the same, more resources, you use our money, but our kids can't reap the benefits of that. No, it, it's, it, no, no, it's not fair. You know, it's not fair. And then, you know, what really it, it, it infuriates me a little bit is, you know, um, when we have minorities not placing, you know, in, in, in government, not placing a high quality on education. You know, mm-hmm. they say education, education, mm-hmm. education. And every year, Miss O'Neill, I see the same brand of education. Like, yes. well, like yes. you know, like, get us these resources. And, 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 yes. and then you have that thing, oh, entrepreneurship, this, that, and the third. I'm like, yo, but you need a foundation of foundation. some kind of education. Yes. But they you know? fight us. They fight us on every, they fight us so much. Why? Because if they keep us docile, if they keep us dumb, so to speak, we don't know things. We don't know our rights. We don't know what to fight for. So therefore, they keep us keep us underfoot, like they because now we can control you. Because the more you know, the more you outreach, the more you you oh. So if this is going on, let me see what's going on over here. So now, a person with knowledge is not controllable. So we can't tr- control you if you have all the knowledge. So we got to keep it from you. We got to keep you stupid, so to speak, so we can control you. It, it, it's so many facets that go on with this foolishness that's going on in this world. You just be like, why? I don't understand it. It's just we are all people. Why just can't we all just work together? And when you know better, you do better. And when your president say, let's make America great again, it depends on who you're asking. When was America ever great for an African-American? When was America ever great for an American Indian? Who, who, when you say make America great again, who exactly are you speaking to? Now, it's Ms. not O'Neil, us. Where, where do you stand on reparations? 
Because, you know, every single term where, like, it's the big, uh, you know, electoral term, you know, they, they start with reparations. They start asking every single politician my, about reparations. My thing this is and that. this. The people who deserve reparations are no longer here. The people who deserve to have their reparations are long gone. You don't get reparations because you had a forefather, you had a, a uncle, or you had a whatever who deserves reparations. Now they should come to you. Reparations should be for the people who fought for it, who marched for them, who got their ass kicked, who got water hoses put on them. It shouldn't be because you in the next line as a family member. Because in my, in my opinion, you don't deserve those reparations. It sounds good, but you did not earn them and you did not work hard those reparations and, and and i get a lot of backlash from saying that because people would not understand the ideology that i'm speaking from you don't deserve that so why should you get it that's like me work all day and i come home and i hand all my money to you and you asleep all day if you earned it then i'm all for it i'm all for it if you earned it but you have to earn that that's not something that should be just given to you just because now, Miss O'Neill, before we end the podcast, what message, you know, because, you know, you got Arbery, we have Pop Smoke, we, you know, we have a lot of crime. Like, what message would you like to give to the young, uh, you know, black African-American males and African-American males and females, you know? Uh, I would just like right to now? say, be smart. Think for yourself. Don't let nobody tell you what you should do. Don't let nobody put batteries in your back to make you think that you should be doing a certain thing or act a certain way because you're in a certain neighborhood. Elevate yourself, get educated, and each one teach one. Pay it forward. Yes. Well, Miss O'Neill, thank you for blessing us with your presence here on the Angel of Words podcast. Thank you. I appreciate uh, you always, brother. Look forward to seeing brother. you after this quarantine. All yes, right, be good. We can get back to business. <laughs> but thanks again, really. Thank you so much, all right, for dropping thank that knowledge. Thank you. All right, all you right, have a blessed hey. day. You too. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed my interview today with Pranchanta O'Neill, property owner and proud mother of three African-American men. Now, if you want to continue viewing or tuning in to the Angel of Words podcast, catch us on YouTube, and you could also catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I appreciate everyone for tuning in.